Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. And I'm Adam. Yes, that's right. Uh, very pleased to see that Adam has made it after last week's uh, encounter, shall we say. Uh, but we'll, we'll leave it there for anyone who hasn't yet listened Ooh. to the episode. Yeah, no, he's, he's, it turns out it was just night terrors. <laughs> <laughs> Do defunk it. So everybody has come back after last week's episode. Thanks very much for bearing with us. Um, yeah, we uh, we were totally hit by the curse. It wasn't bad enough. My internet kept cutting out. And then our recording equipment, which is online, which isn't even linked to my internet, kept dropping out. And then just to make it even worse, after a few days when I went to edit the episode, um, parts of it had come out like a, like a bad telephone line. So it lots of... So we lost the first like two minutes of Chris saying how much he enjoyed the omen, which we didn't get back. Uh, and we missed all of the curse. But um, yeah, I say the only alternative was to re-record the whole episode a few days later. But the problem with that is you then get the deja vu effect where you're like, I've definitely yeah. said this. Did I say it an hour ago or did I say it last weekend? So we decided not to go down that route and uh, just give you what you got, really. So <laughs> hopefully you haven't all abandoned us because of one bad episode, but we'll see. <laughs> We're not doing bad. Overall, this is episode 104, uh, and we've had two failures so far. So I think we're doing all right, really, track record wise. I, I um, would, I would like to point out at this point that uh, self applause is no applause. So let's crack on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and actually, <laughs> while we are quoting other people, I would like to point out. Uh, yeah, I was thinking this earlier this week, as in the great words of Blackadder, we are not at home to Mister Cockup. So let's hope it all goes all right. <laughs> Hopefully I won't have to prepare the spare room. <laughs> um, so, Chris, in the last seven days, uh, have you managed to watch anything? Yes, I have. I oh. I watched something that turned out to be, I would say, an excellent choice based on the main event. And it was, you know, you might disagree, it was Colour Out of Space. Oh, no, the Nicolas Cage one. Yes, and I, I didn't realise that was Nicolas Cage. I mean, it's obvious, you know, that he's on the cover. But I just, I'd, I think I'd been distracted by the nice colour, purple and blue. And, yeah, and then when I realised it was him, it's like, okay, this is probably going to get a bit crazy then, based on <laughs> <laughs> like what else he's done. Um, so, yeah, no, it's uh, it was kind of funny as well, because my son's playing a game called Terraria, which is a 2D uh, kind of like a pixel art type game and it's all based around Cthulhu oh, um, right. yeah so he's sort of been learning some of the lore of Cthulhu because he likes to read their wikis and so when he, he saw just randomly he saw that I was looking at for films to watch and he's like oh can I watch them and he said well, it's an 18 he said yeah but look, look at the colours it's great and it's H.P. Lovecraft who, who wrote you know Call of Cthulhu and yeah yeah, so obviously I don't know that much about H.P. Lovecraft, aside from what both of you have said. Um, but anyway, yeah. Never so Google like... his cat's name, fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, it turned out I definitely shouldn't have let him watch it, and I luckily didn't. Excellent. I'm well glad done. that was the end of that yeah. story, because I was going to say, this is just, yeah. I, did, but... I, didn't want you to, I didn't want to hear how he'd reacted to the, to the alpacalypse. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've got a new... Found appreciation of alpacas, <laughs> and not just that. Yeah, that would say it's, it's like that's a great film, and yeah, it's pretty hard hitting. Um, but I wasn't expecting it to be quite so twisted. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's pretty weird. But it's funny how yeah how it did work with tonight's film, which I'll sort of mention later. But really, <laughs> it this was such a good after party, I would say to. Yes. So the, the main party, yeah. It's like, okay, it's funny how kind of similar and yet so different they, they are. Oh, very, yeah, they're very different, sort of. It's it's an utterly different form of the horror. Yeah, yeah, and yet based on a similar um, yeah. principle. From the so. same, kind of the same source material, yeah. Yeah. Also, so. in- interesting fact, you know why it's magenta? Mm-hmm. Is because it doesn't actually exist in nature, apparently. Ah. Yeah, okay. It's, it's the only colour that is 
by hum- humans mixing colours is creating yeah. it. So it's the only one that doesn't actually appear in nature, but everything else does. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, that particular... So I thought, I was trying to remember, I thought you did talk about that because you watched it not too long ago, didn't you? And I seem yeah. to remember you talking about it. Um, but yeah, so, so you say it was magenta because I, I was trying to work out exactly what they were going for. It seemed to be a mixture between blues and pinks. Yeah. And definitely. so I thought they were sort of trying to do um, ultraviolet. Well, I think that, um, I think probably uh, Richard Stanley, like the director, mm. um, I don't think I'm defaming him by saying he's had more than his fair share of hallucinogenic experiences. Okay. And so I think he probably, that's like, mm. say it's that shifting element to the colour that is definitely he's going for. Yeah. In that. And, um, yeah, it's... I think, because weirdly enough, there is a German uh, version of it, mm. uh, of Colour Out of Space, and it's... Um, it's in black and white. And when I first started watching it, I was like, that's really clever, because in the story, it's kind of like a colour that no one can quite get a handle on. Yeah. But then... Weirdly enough, they then go down the route of anything where the light touches is filtered in that sort of ultraviolet-y sort of colour. Mm. Like that, but that pinkish purple sort of magenta uh, colour. Yeah. So okay. it, was like, it was like, I thought, because it was in a weird way it was disappointing because it was like, brilliant, you've thought the best way around this problem of how do you create this... Okay. Hello, and, yeah. and then shot yourself in the foot by actually trying to do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so do you think that's a worth a watch as well? Even if that didn't quite it's, work, it's worth a watch because it's nearer to if you want. Mm, I mean, okay, you yeah. always read the original, but it's very close to the original. Yeah, um, in right. terms of its, it's sort of like it's uh, set in the period that the book was written, and mm. it because color out space the. the Nicolas Cage film has more to it, but it's very right. It's very thematically right to the original, if you see what I mean. Okay. You know, but it is there is a lot more in there than there actually is in the story. But again, it's mm. that thing of um, it's most that's the reason that there's sort of some shitty Lovecraft out there is because it is. They're short stories, and sometimes they'll do films of ones that are like five pages or something. And it's like five yeah. pages is not going to do an hour and a half. I'm sorry, mm. it just isn't. It's a bit like when uh, Roger Corman did all the Edgar Allan Poe ones, and they do like the Pit and the Pendulum. Yeah, and they have to make up an entire story because the Pit and the Pendulum is literally the story. It's told from the perspective of someone waiting for the blade to hit them. Mm. So it's just someone stretched out and they're watching the blades uh, slowly but inexorably come towards them. Mm. And then out of that, they built a whole script. <laughs> because, yeah, it was like, well, we'll do the pit and the pendulum. But it's like, choose another one. <laughs> Why? <laughs> you know, rather they, than... Like I said, they did the same when they, mo- they made the movie that they called Dagon. And actually... The film Dagon is the shadow over Innsmouth. Um, yeah, yeah, they, far better story to tell in that way. Um, yeah, and I really still, enjoyed that adaptation. They really, really nicely sort of adapt the two because they've got Dagon in there, but again, Dagon is extremely short hmm. and is more of a mood piece. And then the shadow over Innsmouth is what they actually film essentially. <laughs> Um, um, speaking of Lovecraft, actually, uh, it was brought to my attention in the week. Please tell me that that is a rom-com that's coming out. <laughs> Lovecraft, actually. <It's> Bill, <laughs> Bill Nye, Martin Freeman, who else? Um, who? Kira Knightley. Yeah, just all these, all the usual it. suspects. And Hugh Grant as <laughs> Shub <Shab-Nagurath. laughs> Um the uh, London Horror Society this year for Christmas uh, are putting up uh, a short story, uh, a ghost story special festival starting oh, on the 16th of December uh, called Warnings to the Curious. Very um, nice. 
Yeah, so it, the, the Wednesday night it starts and they're doing two free pieces. One is a Christmas horror quiz uh, and they're doing um, a warning to the curious, DMR James being read. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you buy, a, it's £6 for an event and 20 quid for the whole weekend and it runs from Wednesday up till Sunday. And on Sunday evening, they're doing The Haunter in the Dark by H.P. Lovecraft as a reading. Oh, nice. Um, so I think I'm going to have to invest in this uh, this Christmas package and get involved in that. Well, technically, it's going out these days. Yeah. So, you know. Close as we get. Excellent. Yeah, good choice, Chris. Well done. I, I did also nearly start watching Truth Seekers, but... I saw Spaced, and I thought we said about Simon Pegg. I just wanted to be reminded of how great, you know, he was. And, and Spaced is still amazing. So I just yeah, thought I've got to watch a few episodes of that. I would say, given the choice, fucking Spaced all the way, mate. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Truth Seekers is good. Spaced is just a classic. It's, it really, is just, guess. yeah. They did so much right in that. There's just so many good references and, yeah, different it's elements. Funny, it's one of those... It's one of those things that feels very of its time, but actually, I, it still I, I was shocked well how now. it was still so good. Yeah, I really did think it would have aged by now. But we were there. I think yeah. that's the point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It always, it will always work for us. But, but it was yeah, one of those ones that sort of like we'll 20, try, try and show it to their kids one day, and they're like, "What? What is it?" <laughs> it's like Mark. There's an interview on one of the discs with Mark Gates because obviously he does. The, yeah, I didn't realize like, he was in one it. of the Matrix. Um, mm-hmm guards doesn't it yeah and yeah he was on an interview like this was like the retrospective version they brought out a while ago and um yeah mark gates was on there going i'm really i'm really glad that we did our matrix spoof before the other two films and suddenly that was shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it well i think they probably were the first people i saw do you put that in something Mm. Mm. And then the following week, you get a RoboCop reference, and it's like, yes. <laughs> uh, so, Adam, what have you watched in the last week? Um, not much. I have. I did, however, follow. I, I followed through, which is why I haven't watched, watched much because I had to clean up the toilet. Um, cow shedded. Oof. Anyway, <laughs> um, no. I, uh, as I said last week, I have continued, and I've watched. Um, uh, Tales from the Hood two, mm-hmm. didn't realise that only that was only made two years ago. Wow. I assume I assumed it would have been fairly close to the original, which mm-hmm. was sort of late nineties. Um, but yeah, it was like two thousand eighteen. It was. I didn't enjoy it as much as the original. I th- like the first one. I think the first one just worked better and was more like what a film called Tales from the Hood should be like. Um, the guy who played the original sort of Crypt Keeper character in it, Mr. Sims, um, has retired from acting, apparently. So instead we get Keith David, which is a fucking plus. Mm. Because when Keith David comes in and he's like, um, and uh, you're a master storyteller, and it's like, yeah, because I would listen to Keith David fucking read the phone book. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but yeah, and it was so it's it's okay. I've heard that number three is a bit fans have enjoyed that more because apparently there was quite a big backlash against number two, which I wasn't aware of, and like only looking about it afterwards. Um, and I didn't th- I didn't think it was like a massive. But then I suppose if you, I don't think it was that much of a crushing disappointment. But then I've literally only seen the films a week apart. If yeah. you loved Tales from Tales from the Hood back in the 90s and you'd waited 20 odd years before like the sequel and then you'd, you'd be pretty pissed off I th- think that would be the it'd just be it'd never live up to the weight or the expectation yeah it's um, the Star Wars problem isn't it yeah <laughs> but, but there was some good but um, yeah there's still there's still some good stories in there um, I mean <laughs> at the, at the centre of it though like the conceit like the wraparound story is quite bizarrely a guy who is so like an embodiment of the problem of like white American government. It's like beyond cliche. Uh, but his name is 
Dumas Beach. No way. And, and it's like, so, but then, and he's meant to be, he, he's got this uh, sort of a Robocop sort of thing of a, a robot that's going to be a uh, law enforcement AI. And um, so Keith David's brought in to tell its story so it can learn secondhand from fable and myth, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And then at the end of it, it obviously just turns on the creator because he's a fucking prick. And, um, but obviously the machine identifies him as dumbass beach. So it's like, Oh, I didn't, I'm quite surprised it took me that long to see that joke coming. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it, it was okay. It did, uh, weirdly felt cheaper than the uh, first one. Uh, and the first one wasn't like excessive budget, but this, I think, I think it seemed cheaper just because they'd really, they were really stretching their sort of budget, if you see what I mean. Like they'd gone bigger with it, mm. and that might have been where it sort of failed a bit. But but all in all, in all, it was, um, you know, it was it was pretty good. It was an entertaining one, but it's definitely the the first one is definitely the the one to check out. Excellent. Um, I've I've been terrible. I've watched next to nothing. Um, well, I haven't seen that. <laughs> I, I restarted uh, Ash versus Evil Dead again. Now it's on Netflix. So I watched the first three of those. Um, oh yeah. And I watched it horror adjacent. It feels like a slasher film, but it kind of isn't. But I won't give any more away from that. Um, I watched 2019's Amazon Prime movie Get Duked. Oh, is that with Eddie Izzard? Yes, yes. Because um, I've seen I've seen people talk about it, but it's one one of those weird ones where I have only seen like virulent hate or love. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I've not. I don't think I've really seen anyone like I've seen a lot of people sort of like, oh no, it's really surprisingly good, you know, blah blah blah. And lots of people are just like, don't watch it, for fuck's sake. But I I wonder, you know. It's, so it's how a, did you find it? I, I quite enjoy It's a good afternoon movie. It's nothing hmm. great. I probably won't return to it again. Um, but, yeah, for an afternoon's viewing, it was entertaining enough. Uh, fantastic cast. Um, yeah, and it's just... So it's a, the premise is it's four kids uh, doing the Duke of Edinburgh. One wants to do it, and the other three are being forced to do it as a punishment because if they don't do it, they're going to get expelled. Um, so they are the proper troublemaking kids of their year, effectively. Um, and they get dropped off and told, right, we'll meet you at six o'clock tonight. You've got to use your map and orienteer and get to this place. Um, yeah. And basically there are a couple of toffs, I think is all you can call them, really. Uh, one of whom is Eddie Izzard on horseback with guns who are <laughs> basically trying to kill the vermin that are up in the Scottish Highlands. Um, yeah, it, it, it is funny. Uh, yeah, and I enjoyed it. As I say, it's, if I'd gone out and bought it for 15 quid on DVD or whatever, I'd be slightly mm. min. Um, but yeah, it's on Amazon Prime, so you can go and watch it on there. And it, it, it's well worth an hour and a half of your time. It's it's very English comedy. It's full of people you recognise. There's, uh, there's a couple of people particularly. I won't tell you who they are because I didn't know anything going in. This was a recommend for me. So I went in kind of blind and was surprised when, uh, oh, right. yeah, people who we quite like turn up unexpectedly. So yeah, it, it's well mm. worth a watch, but it's that's probably uh, yeah a good way to go in then blind and yeah get the nice surprises. I think it's probably aimed at a younger audience than us because it's that very like like one of them is a he calls himself a DJ but basically he's an urban hip hop um, freestyler. And he just spends half of the time rapping about things that are going on around him. So I think for a younger audience who have probably grown up with people like that, they, they probably uh, connect with it more. But, yeah, I certainly enjoyed it. I thought it was quite funny. So, yeah, well worth a watch. Mm. Cool. So without further ado, I think we're due to step into our uh, highlight of the evening. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've seen this, but Chris and Adam, you hadn't, have you? No, no. Um, so this was one of Bobby's choice for uh, his yeah. Halloween films, uh, and I can totally see why. Mm. Uh, 
Lady Jennifer actually watched it with me and did say, do you think Bobby watches it ironically? Uh, and, and no, I don't think he does. Um, <laughs> I think he probably, like, I don't mean that in a crawl way. What I mean is he probably no. knows people like a lot of these characters, um, <laughs> whereas it's a world apart from us. Uh, so 2006 uh, Slither. Mm. Um, I've had this on D. I think I bought this when it first came out. Uh, because it was Nathan Fillion, who I really liked from Firefly. Um, and this is just one of those fun, dumb, if I just want something stupid to laugh at, that's over-the-top gore and non-stop comedy and not a lot of, uh, not a lot of horror, th this is one that comes off the shelf fairly regularly. So, Chris, what did you make of it? Well, you just took most of my <laughs> opening. Sorry. <laughs> and so, absolutely. <laughs> I I went into it not thinking it was going to be anything particularly amazing, but the name just didn't give much to me, and the cover of it was, okay, yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, an okay um, sort of horror film. And then, yeah, when I started to see the cast, it was like, okay, this is starting to look a bit more interesting. Um, so Grant Grant, is it Michael Ru Rooker? Michael Rooker, Michael yeah. Rooker yeah. And he did Crank, is that right? Did he? Uh, he was in the Guardians of the Galaxy film. Oh uh, no, okay, yep, yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, which makes sense as well. He's in Mallrats. He was in The Walking Dead. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. He does specialise in bastards. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, but, but he had I a little he, bit of a. He has something that you know. He can. The thing is, is that Michael Rooker is one of those really curious people who can do comedy because he's like in Mallrats mm. playing the villain of it kind of thing. And then also he's Henry in Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer and is just terrifying. Okay. And actually, in the last series of um, last series of True Detective, there was a. Um, uh, series three, and there was like the big ca the cases going on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then, and again, it was that thing of people remembering a case back from previous times and stuff like that. And yeah, one and it's just one of the the I think it was the penultimate episode ended with one of the cops receiving a phone call from the big businessman who everyone kept mentioning all the way through it, but no one had it. And then I realised that. The, the, the voice on the phone was Michael Rooker and immediately like that sent a shiver through because it's like <laughs> he's fucking dead <laughs> because yeah Michael Michael Rooker does not play pleasant a lot of the time <laughs> but, but he does have an endearing quality he does I think Is... Grant Grant he does you know mm. because essentially it is, again not a nice character no but he sort of you know, you kind of get the bumbling fuckheadedness of it. Yeah, comes through. So you you know, it's not so. You know, it's not such a hard shell sort of thing. Mm. You know, but yeah, and there's, there's an, I mean, there's elements of decency to him in his own way. Yeah, but also, yeah, he's fucking horrible. But it's sort of... he, he didn't cheat on his wife. Quite. Yeah, I was going to say, to be fair, he, he yeah. was given a perfect opportunity there and he was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing this, I'm mm. going home. Which, yeah. yeah, which is definitely a plus in his... Well, and th and that is also what leads into the, the thing where it's basically the, the alien intelligence can't harm her. Mm -hmm. Because it is... But, like I say, I think that their relationship is clearly somewhat, you know, not... Just yeah, a bit controlling, a bit fucking yeah, bullying sort of thing, and yeah, I think it does actually in a weird way. It's like right, this shows that it is a love that comes out of it, mm. but it is expressed. You know, it is not expressed as love. It is not mm. done in a nice way. It is not a healthy relationship that they're in. Oh no! But it's sort of. But yeah, I think that they're. Um, it sort of it does lay that foundation there because I think I think that's the thing as well is that it is it is a comedy. It's not like 
you know, tonally. I think that's the thing as well, is also tonally that character in a straight film would be would come over worse. Yeah. Because, yeah, because of the tone of the film. Mm. Um yeah, that would be a really you know, that, that would be a really horrendous sort of plot thread or whatever like that. I think, it, like for me, it also works because as he gets taken over by the alien, you can start to feel a bit sorry for him. Well, you know, I mean, whereas no one... you may not have otherwise cared at all. No one wants to be turned into a big. <laughs> what that that fucking got me when they kept saying squid. Yeah. <laughs> you mean fucking squid? Actually, when I was they... going to say, Adam, did you notice when they were having that discussion in the police station and they were throwing the toy squid around, did you see the cameo of the guy who was sitting at the police desk? Yeah, it's Lloyd Kaufman, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. I thought so I they... spotted because uh, I was like, is... yeah, that is, isn't it? And they were showing um, top... when um, Grant Grant goes round to that woman's house, she's sitting on the sofa with a kid watching Toxic Avenger. Yes, she is, yeah. Because I didn't realise that James Gunn, like obviously the director, um, uh, I didn't realise that he was a Troma alumni. I didn't either. He wrote lots, because he wrote Tromeo and Juliet. Yeah. And some other sort of, and was like, wrote bits and pieces for them and for like the Troma TV series and stuff like that. Um, Which in a weird way, because I mean, that's something we'll come to at some point, Chris, because... Lloyd Kaufman, Kaufman is probably the next that we have to Roger Corman. Yes. Yeah, in I think he is. And it's that same sort of thing of it's cheap, cheap, done on the run, quite, you know, humorous, um, uh, sort of gross out horrors more than, you know, more than Corman would do. But essentially still with that sort of exploitation vibe where it's just like right what's the big thing right we'll do that but Troma then do sort of like right so what's the next big thing and how do we do that fucked up so, <laughs> sort of yeah so I think that um, yeah I was so I, I, the other thing I was pleased to spot in that scene was I was just glad they were using little squid stickers on the on the map where it was like <laughs> right so he's been seen here he's been seen here um and um, actually, there was another cameo in it as well, which is um, the voice. Uh, you know, when uh, Grant says that he's been to see the doctor and he's given him some medication to yeah. clear up the disease. And then she speaks to the doctor the next day. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the voice of the doctor is Rob Zombie. Oh, is it really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> But again, that was that was something I just that that was something I found when I was like looking into it afterwards. But yeah, so there's yeah there's a few there's a few sort of like little cameos in there. I think I think James Gunn's in it as well. I think he's like in in, in one of the bar scenes or something like that. So nice. So what did you think of it, Adam? Having not seen it before, like in, just enjoyment wise, what did you? Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I th- the only thing I had with it was it was. I th- I don't know. I felt they needed to maybe mix it up a bit better because mm. you kind of get like Grant's story beginning to end, look, or beginning to next phase, should we yeah. say? And then you spend time with the cops, and I really enjoyed the bits with the cops, particularly. So I would have liked them to bring like bring it in slightly earlier. Yeah. And rather than because so, that was the thing is because it was because I, I kind of knew the th- I knew that the story was where it was like, oh, someone gets infected. It's basically, you know, a, a, that kind of a film It's a bit like because um, it's a, even down to the name. It's a bit like Shivers, like the Cronenberg film with the uh, sex worms. It is. And the other one that I've written down, which another one of Bobby's, which which made me laugh when I realised just how close they are, uh, Night of the Creeps is almost exactly the mm. same story yeah. as well. Apparent, apparently, some people did say that to James Gunn, but he's, uh, he's what was it? He, I think he did say Shivers and Uzumaki was another oh, okay. influence on it. And that is, a, that is a film we've got to cover one day, but yeah, that's a fucking... When we're ready. 
That's a fucking mad film, that is. <laughs> um, beautiful, but just absurd. And I can see that that same sort of thing. It's the absurdity in this as well that is the sort of key. But yeah, I. I but overall, overall, I really, I really enjoyed it. I mean, the, the practical effects at the end. It was like it, that was just oh, this is like from beyond. Like sort of, but with sort of 10 years, 20 years more experience uh, for the practical effects and stuff like that. Yeah. But it was almost, it was almost like a bit like society and a bit. So I liked all the, I liked that it had that sort of 80s body horror vibe, mm. which I think is where it goes different from, say, Colour Out of Space. But it is, again, it's that thing, because obviously it's the meteorite, isn't it, that brings. Mm. Yeah, yeah, stuff to the to the to the earth, but yeah, you get that much more off kilter and abstract horror with color out of space, where it's people's mm. minds going and things like that, as well as people being fused together and yeah. all kinds of fucked up shit. But yeah, whereas this is just purely the body horror element of it, and I think that's I genuinely think that that's probably the best way to go. In like in horror comedy, because I think weirdly enough, uh, gore falls in or gore and body horror sort of oddly fall into a similar category of like they're practically slapstick. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm. And it's like even with like say American Werewolf, where the effects are all real and people get their throats torn out and stuff like that. But that would probably be even if you were watching a serious film. That's the bit where a few people in the audience are, yeah, got got his head blown off. Um, And that kind of thing. So I think it works. I think it works really well. I like I say, I just would have loved. That's that's the thing, actually. What I got from this was what I didn't get from uh, The Dead Won't Die. Yeah, it's funny. I had the same feeling. I was like, this is a bit like The Dead Won't Die. It's that same. Small town, everybody involved in that town is a part of this story, but it mm. isn't getting to the outside world, and it is very much that same feeling. And mm. yeah, yeah, but I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed this, I enjoyed this more and laughed more than I probably did with The Dead Don't Die, which is you know, and they're both horror comedies, so yeah. Um, but no, I, re- I really enjoyed it. I thought the police, the police, like I say, the police just really great. And fuck me, that is, you know, there is a contender for my new favourite American mayor in a film. (laughs) Because he is. And this is the thing that this has made me regret. And I'm going to say something that's probably going to stun both of you, Rigid. This has made me regret that I still, to this day, have not seen Guardians of the Galaxy. What? (laughs) Because I bought it and no one would watch it with me. Oh, no? yeah, yes. So what? it's great. What, Claire won't watch it with you. Well, we've we've got it, but it's just never come up. I'm oh, uh, done with superheroes. I think Claire's done with uh, superheroes. Yeah, but it's 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 not a superhero no. movie. I it's a sci-fi. I, it's a comedy sci-fi yeah. movie. All I the took way. it around. I took it around Dean's for months. He never fucking wanted to watch it. And it's like, come on, this has got like a talking raccoon in it, and uh, it's got. It's got all kinds of, um, well, yeah, it's just more sci fi weirdness, is what I gather, than, it's you know, brilliant. it's not. Yeah, like, really I, think, I think it stands out on its own, aside from the rest of Marvel. This is, this is really? what I've heard. Basically, yeah. that and Deadpool were the only ones. Yeah, but I've yeah, like, they're just so well done in a different way that mm. encapsulates some of the superhero aspects, but yeah, it's just. Uh, absolutely, I would watch it. That would be next on my list. Fair enough. It, it Fair feels enough. alien yeah. enough that when I heard they were bringing them into the Avengers, I was like, I, I don't know how. The, the universe is so entirely different. I don't yeah. know how they're going to so, bring oh, them in. I, I still um, haven't seen that. I've not seen any of those. It works perf- perfectly. Mm, Although, okay. on paper, if you watch the two films, yeah, you think possibly. Yeah. But it does. It <laughs> yeah. just absolutely works. So I think that was the same. That was always the secret with Marvel, though, because although you had things like Justice League with DC and they would cross over a lot, Marvel was always like, 
no matter what, nothing was standalone. Mm. Where it would be sort of like, so yeah, Spider Man exists in the same world as the X Men <laughs> and Fantastic Four, and they might get mentioned or whatever like that, mm. or villains would cross over and stuff like that. And it's sort of, yeah, I think that's possibly the secret of the Marvel film success is that they, as a comic, were always like dipping in and out of each other's realities. and Because technically, and here's one for you, technically, Doctor Who is part of the Marvel Universe. Mm. Really? Be- because um, the Doctor Who magazine is published by Marvel, or it was, whoever, or was for a while. Um, and it certainly from the start, when it was Doctor Who Weekly. And so all the comics that are in there are technically Marvel-owned comics. And they crossed over in one, uh, in one episode, they crossed over with a guy called Death's Head, who later turned up in Marvel Transformers. In fact, he started off in Marvel's Transformers comics. And he like, went into loads of other Marvel comics sort of as like this robot bounty hunter. And but yeah, so technically you could have technically they can bung Doctor Who into Marvel. I mean, there's a whole different fucking rights issue with the fact that obviously it's from the BBC. But technically, yeah, Doctor Who's part of the Marvel Universe and Transformers. And Action Force. Or G.I. Joe. So wow. yeah, sorry. Because yeah, because Marvel just published a lot of like the film properties and stuff like that and toy properties and things as well, comics. I would say now, as you've just watched this, so obviously you've got your uh, Michael Rooker buzz. At, <laughs> at some point in the next week, treat yourself, set aside two and a half hours and sit down and watch Guardians of the Galaxy. It is fantastic. And it's one of the rare ones where, again, the beauty of Marvel, not to get off subject again. Um, but yeah, the second Guardians film is every bit as good as the first. Yeah. Um, oh, cool. So, yeah, so you've got like five hours of fantastic films yes. ahead of you. Oh, cool. No, I, will, I very I will, much like I to hear. Like to check them out, I think. Yeah. Because, I mean, the good, the good thing is, is I think that possibly uh, that can at least be watched while Ted's in the room. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you yeah, know, it's, it's very not, little that's. Yeah, it's not, it's not like, should we pop on Hannibal, uh, Cannibal Holocaust <laughs> while we're having tea? <laughs> the boy, the boy will love it. <laughs> it's got loads of animals in it. They get killed, but there's loads of animals in it. Love it. Love it. Love it. The boy. Um, <coughs> yeah, so I, I think this is one of those films that kind of it, it did seem to. I think because it came out, it was a fairly big budget film, I believe. Um, mm. Yeah, so I think a lot of horror fans. There was a lot of crap coming out at the time from Hollywood, um, and that's the impression I always got is that it came out in a time when Hollywood was pushing lots of remakes and that kind of stuff and this mm-hmm. kind of slipped under the radar because a lot of people thought it's just another big hollywood attempt at horror and they get it wrong nine times out of ten mm. um so, and if it wasn't for the fact is nathan fillion who i yeah. liked from um firefly uh, is fantastic yeah uh and um super as well he was in super which was which is uh same which is james gunn as well james yeah gunn again uh-huh. um yeah, and his kind of cameo role in that is fantastic. So yeah, when this came out, I I dug it out. Yeah, I just absolutely loved it. I say it's it's it isn't a serious film. It's it it, is... it's got serious moments though. Like I'd say, I was like, oh, how far are they going to push it? And when the two young girls get yeah, turned, oh, yeah you know, yeah. it's like oh, it's yeah. a bit that's gone a bit further than I was expecting. So I think you know they do push the boundaries. But again, blended so well with the comedy aspect. Mm. And I quite, I quite like, I, I like just actually as a as a proper horror thing. I like the, I like the gestalt element of it, where obviously Grant, as the predominant personality, was talking through other people, but also mm. the fact that they were still repeating stuff that you know like to, you know oh, come on honey it's family fun day yeah like that. And it's all you know genuinely sort of like well oh, no that's that's icky and weird mm-hmm. as as indeed is uh are all the creature effects i think yeah. i mean i mean the worms is 2006 i'm not going to diss on uh cgi too much because it's 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 workable cgi it's not it like, fine yeah 
So, but I mean, and the fact that everything else is pretty much is pretty much yeah. practical effect was yeah. So I think yeah, and I I can because weirdly enough, what was the the quote on the front? Because I because obviously I picked it up, and the quote on the front of the DVD was. Um, best horror comedy since Shaun of the Dead. Mm. And I was trying to think, and it probably was mm. literally the next after Shaun of the Dead, because I can't think there was this, there's not much out there. Or, and certainly, because apparently that was something they did have a bit of a problem with, with the releasing of it, because it didn't, it didn't do well at the box office. No. And that was a lot of people saying, oh, it's because people don't really like horror comedy. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, but some people do. Still making you cunt. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, yeah, I'm a reasonable man. So I, I just, I, I mean, I am very forgiving of horror comedy generally because I, I find for a lot of people it's a lot more e- easy watching. Like if you're mm. going to sit down and watch a really grueling horror film, you have mm. to kind of be in the mood. Whereas ho- horror comedy, yeah, you can just chuck on while you're having your dinner. Even the gore is so over the top; it doesn't put you off your dinner. Like it's. It's just, and, and this was a perfect example of that. As you say, mainly practical. CGI was things like the slugs and that, which which looked fine. Uh, you know, well, not only that, but also that's something that's necessary in the sense of we can make this look we can make this look fine with CGI, but if you try and do it as a practical thing, it's gonna it's just gonna be shit. Yeah, mm. you know. Yeah, no, but, it's um. Yeah, and I, and I think it was a good balance as well. I don't think one detracted from the other. So. No, and like I say, I, just, I think, like I say, the only thing I found with it is I was like, I didn't, I think because usually what happens in a horror film is you're sort of, or you get the thing of people are brought into it. But apart from the scene at the school right at the start, and then it was like, are the cops actually in this? <laughs> like, is Nathan Fillion in this? Because it was like, it just seemed to be, oh, it's a Michael Rooker film. Yeah, and th- and then it stops being a Michael <laughs> film and becomes a Nathan Fillion film, and it's like, oh right, okay. Whereas sort of yeah, but other than that, I thought yeah, I really, I, I mean, I enjoyed it, and like I say, I mean, some of the, some of the fucking lines in it, yeah, are, are you know, just wonderful. a lot of good one-liners from yeah. from both the mayor and from Bill Pardy, Nathan Fillion. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just yeah, and and like I say, the the fucking mayor in this is yeah. just. Perfect, and I think I was I was saying to Claire, it's a weird thing, but I've like English mayors fascinate me because it's like such a sort of tawdry bit of power. Yeah, you know, and it's uh, but it's always like you sit there and think there's probably corruption going on, but it's so fucking petty and minor. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh yeah, I give me, I give my brother-in-law the concession for the car park. If we actually like, found out, it's almost yeah. embarrassing. It's, how... it's, yeah, it's never any. He's sort of like, you know, oh well, he's 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 had his body weight in fucking post-it notes out of the stationery cupboard or something like that. <laughs> you know. Whereas I think American uh, American yeah. men, certainly in films, always have such a, a lovely air of corruption about them, or like just deviousness or whatever it's like um, I mean it's like the mayor in Jaws is just perfect and I mean it's a different take on that because that is just literally where he's like look uh, we're gonna we're gonna lose money if we keep the if we close the beaches Mm. so uh, just ignore the shark (laughs) and I think yeah this is yeah just he was uh, yeah every time he was on it was like right now this is gonna be this is gonna be a good five minutes it's good, but yeah, as you say about it, you know, as soon as he comes on the screen, Jennifer had the same thing because obviously the very first scene uh, is when he's uh, he's pulled up behind that great big truck and he's screaming obscenities at it, and then someone shouts "Morning, Mayor!" Oh, yeah. yeah. And straight away, Jennifer went, "How long till he gets it? He's clearly an obnoxious dickhead, and he's going to be dead in the next five minutes." I was like, "No, he lasts really long, and I'm glad he does because he's he, as you say, he steals every scene he's in." Oh yeah. <laughs> And and it is and it is also that thing of just someone in this sort of curious, like bulletproof sort of feel. Yeah. You know, where it's where it's like, fuck it, I'm the mayor, I can say what I like, or I'm just gonna you know, and it's sort of like I don't have to worry about being appropriate or minding my P's and Q's, I'm the fucking mayor, fuck it. <laughs> you know. And it's that sort of like, Yeah, it just really 
it really tickles me. It really does. And I've not, I don't think I've seen that guy in anything else particularly. Apparently he's in Super. And apparently yeah. he's in Guardians of the Galaxy. But other than that, mm-hmm. one thing that did come up, has anyone, uh, Lee, have you seen the Belco experiment? I've not. I keep meaning to. Uh, but it's one of those ones that feels like it might be more of a, not a chore mm. to watch. Yeah. It feels more educational than enjoyable, but I don't know why I get that impression. Well, I'm not. I'm not sure because James Gunn uh, wrote the script, mm-hmm. and half of the fucking cast are in it. Oh, nice. Right. The guy, the um, yeah, Greg Henry who plays the mayor. Um, oh, uh, I think Michael Rooker's in it. Oh, nice. It was it? Yeah, I think he. I think he's in there. Yeah, Belco Experiment. Um, Few, yeah, and a few of the other uh, people in this are in there, and it was like I really because the soundtrack is great, um, but I never actually got around to watching the film. So. <laughs> also, also, it might be just nice to watch a film in which, basically, from what I gather, um, it's a building is put in lockdown, like a, an office is put in lockdown, and basically they say, right, whoever makes it to the end, you keep your job. <laughs> Um, (laughs) Talking of, uh, just to drop this in I was going to mention this earlier and I forgot But you just said it and reminded me Uh, Talking of films with great soundtracks um, It's on our list of things to cover uh, But previous guest Dave In his list I did give him uh, Gretel and Hansel um, Oh nice And he was far less impressed Oh really? Yeah He said oh yeah it looks lovely and it sounds lovely But yeah So uh yeah, so I'll be keen to see what you guys make of it, really. Yeah, no, we'll have to, we'll, we'll have to do it. I think we'll have to cover it at some point. I mean, even though we've all seen it, at some point we're covering the colour out of space because yeah, we can't, yeah, we yeah. can't not. Mm-hmm. Also, there's a family impression again, which <laughs> I really enjoy doing. And, no. But, I mean, actually, and the weird thing was, I was saying about like the Belco experiment because it's the same guy who does the music on this, Tyler Bates. I fucking I I know I've got a few of his soundtracks, right? But so Devil's Rejects, Dawn of the Dead remake, three hundred, Halloween one and two, the Rob Zombie ones, Doomsday, Watchmen, World of El Super Beasto, Super Sucker Punch, The Sacrament, Belco oh, Experiment, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, all three John Wick films, and it's like shit. I didn't, you know, he's just fucking. He's like wow. he's like. He's like the Hans Zimmer that your mum don't know. <laughs> but no I was, yes, I was, I was deeply impressed with that. And again, um, that was, yeah, that was something else. James Gunn wrote the remake of Dawn of the Dead, which was not, you know, not a bad film. I just prefer the original. But mm. he, and I, again, I can see that same sort of, I can see that same sort of humour in that, even though yeah. Dawn of the Dead is much more serious. But it's like the bits where they've got the. You know the guy on. T- they've got the guy on top of the rifle shot. Yeah, yeah. And they keep just point. They like holding up signs for which zombie he should shoot by saying who they look like. So that's shoot Jay Leno and. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, again, I, that's one of those. As I say, I'm, I'm not a massive fan of the. I like Night of the Living Dead, but the, the rest of the franchise, I find. Oh great no! This, is, this is yeah. No, this is the remake, not the. So, not, yeah, not so the I remember. I think I enjoyed the remake more than the original. Ah, right. On yeah. that occasion, which it's, I know I am in good. the minority, but yeah, I mean, as, as remakes go, I know that one's pretty well considered. So, uh, sure. I mean, I mean, t- I'll tell you what is probably without being the thing or the fly, it's probably the remake that I would be like if someone said, right, name and name a non-shite remake, that would be the one I would mention. Yeah. Because um, I think, yeah, the, the fly and the thing are so considered great in their own right that they're almost almost eclipsed the originals. Yeah. Um, I mean, if it wasn't for the Misfits song, certainly the fly might be. <laughs> well, I'm, I think Piranha as well needs to, having just watched the original recently, I think needs to go on that list. But, yeah, the, the original is great and I did enjoy it. But yeah, I think Piranha 3D for me is a bit more of a classic, and it's in the same line as this. It's yeah, that like balls to the wall comedy, but with a. It definitely goes in the horror camp. It's it's got but... the gore, and the gore means something, and the horror means something, which is how you do horror comedy. Mm. 
because I don't think spoofs don't tend to spoofs can be okay, but if you're not the pride of Frank, uh, if you're not young Frankenstein, you can probably fuck off. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but I think yeah, when you look at others like American Werewolf, Shaun of the Dead, even they have like the gore is real, the death is real, and they do have they still will put in moving moments or sort of, you know, moments of emotion that would be in, which are correct to the film, but also correct to if it was a straight film. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, yeah, this, this has that, I think. Yeah. But I think this is still more easily accessible. I mean... Oh, Chris, definitely. You, you might not necessarily rush to show this to Shelley, but I think this, would, of all the things yeah. we've watched, this would definitely the, be higher there's, up. There's a lot in there, yeah, that she'd like. Mm. And I think yeah, so. again, I think it's that thing of you have to have, you have with comedy as well. It helps because you have, you do have that lessening of any impact. Yeah, yeah. So even though someone's just had their their throat ripped out, you know, there is a funny line or something else that immediately afterwards, and then it's like, oh no, yeah, yeah. You're just just not on edge in the same. Yeah. Kind of way. And that, that was why it was so interesting to see the difference between Colour Out of Space, which, yeah, I watched that yesterday and then this today. And so it's like it was just such a stark contrast, even though there were similarities. Well, not only that, Colour Out of Space is funny. It yeah. really has funny moments, but they're not, it's not, it's definitely not a comedy. Yeah. But then I always, I always like that in any drama. Because I think very mm. something very po-faced, you know, it doesn't feel that doesn't feel any more realistic than a sitcom with one-liners wall yeah. to wall or whatever like that. Mm. Because again, it is that thing of, well, that's not how life works. Not everyone's not just deadly serious or yeah. pissed funny all the time. You know that it's not how it works. I, th- I think that's uh, saying that it, uh, I mentioned it earlier. Rewatching Ash versus Evil Dead on uh, Netflix. That's the thing with that. Like the gore in that is really good, and is really it, it is the Evil Dead films. It's really mm-hmm. the gore's really good. It's really over the top. The scary zombies and stuff actually look scary. If you mm. took them out of context, they'd be scary. But because it's done in such a slapstick way, I don't think anyone could be scared of those of the mm-hmm. deadites in it because it it they're just always put in such a ludicrous light. Um. Yeah, and the the violence is always such a slapstick over the top. I mean, there's always Ash with a shotgun and a chainsaw, and then everybody yeah. else has always got a stick or a broken bottle or a pencil or something stupid that they're trying to kill them with. And it's yeah, and it just gets into so much comedy, you can't find it tense. But if you if you looked at stills from that, you could totally see it being quite intimidating for someone who wasn't a fan of horror. It's, they still have that, yeah. I mean, Ash versus Evil Dead is a really good example because it's probably the only, you know, that even more so than probably Evil Dead Two and, and um, Army of Darkness, Darkness really is so right and yeah. so well done and so funny. What you know, what what I've seen of it, I've only seen the first series, but it's like there's, but again, like you say, you will have like. But they're only brief. But you will have horror moments that are no. That is a horror moment. Yeah. You know, mind you, in that same sort of way that, in a curious way, if you ever show someone, um, Vic and Bob's Master Chef sketch. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty horrible. Which is genuinely, you know, if that was that that as horror. <laughs> oh yeah. Would work. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Cool. Right. Um, I think we should call it a night there. Um, so for our next episode, Adam, as this was your choice, would you like to explain what we're going to be watching next and why? Well, as uh, we have lost this week an icon, uh, 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 Daria uh, Nicolardi, who is long-time partner of um, Dario, the Italian filmmaker Dario Argento and mother of Asia Argento, um, but was also a actor, writer and producer in her own right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 
So we are going to watch Suspiria. Mm. So this will be Chris's first Italian movie. Mm. It's directed by yeah. Dario Argento. Music by Goblin. Yeah. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> Had a moment there. Um, <laughs> and I'll, 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 I'll set out its stall now for you, Chris. Don't expect it to make too much sense, but fuck me, it looks beautiful. Okay. That's the, that's the spirit. I think that's Italian horror, period. And I think that's, yeah. I think that's why I don't like it. Of, of all the Italian horrors, this one has got the straightest story. And I think that's why it's the one I enjoy more than the others, particularly. Well, I think also because Argento really tends to be more like giallo, like sort of crime slash crime slash slasher type yeah. films. Mm. Whereas Suspiria is part of the mother's films, which are supernatural in nature. But I shall say no more, Chris. It sounds like it should be with that name. But so I seem to remember you both talking about this. So is it fairly recent? No, there's, there is a, uh, there was a remake. Okay. Uh, not, that, not that long ago. Two years um, ago, I think. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah. Yeah, it's fairly recent. And I have not... I started watching it, but it was one of those things where it was, well, it's two in the morning. I'm sure I could put, get a film in and then <laughs> put on Suspiria. And it was like, this is about two and a half hours long. I don't know if I can, no, no, I'll leave it. So that's as far as I got with that. But it's, you know, it didn't seem, again, this would, that would be one I'd be interested to see just from the point of view of, um, again, is it a, is it a remake that passes even though you love the original? Mm. Um, but but that, the, that was useful to know, though, that I need to watch the original. That's yes. going to happen one oh, day. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, this, this, I mean, this, this probably says a lot. This probably says a lot about me. But when I said to Lee about whether we should do Suspiria, and he said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then original or remake. And then immediately afterwards, sorry, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> That was a stupid thing to ask. It like saying, oh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Are we going to do the original or that shit version? Um, <laughs> well, it's not that. I mean, it could be. I mean, it could be like having. It could be like a silver glittering ball that expands your mind beyond all recognition and makes you a superhuman. But if it ain't got a fucking goblin soundtrack, it can fuck off. <laughs> That's really the point. So, yeah. Uh, yeah so the original is seventy-seven. Yeah. Uh, and the remake is 2018. Um, okay. yeah. I know the, the remake was relatively well received. Oh, definitely. Um, and a lot of people who, not sounds horrible, but you know, a lot of people were saying it was good who I know liked the original or sort of, you know, it wasn't mm. just sort of people who were not aware of the original side. But yeah. again, I think probably it's one of those ones where that film itself for you to seek out or for you to be in line to be advertised Suspiria 2018 you probably would have been aware of Suspiria 77 because you'd be in that category of film watching yeah they're mm. both sort of you know they're both out there yeah so. and i think it's I think it's very much appreciated by people outside of horror as well, Suspiria, um, as an mm. art-based film. Um, well, I mean, both. Yeah, both. Um, the, certainly the original is, as well as the, as well as the remake. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. And right. it turns out both are on Amazon Prime. Oh. There you yes. go, winning. Um, oh, that's a shitty shame, because I bought it on Blu-ray. Yeah, I've got the original on a lovely, lovely Blu-ray, which I actually, I bought, um, despite the fact I don't like Italian horror and I didn't watch any for ages, uh, with the exception of, uh, what was the one that you got me, Adam? I, I think it, it, uh, it's, um, it features Boris Karloff. It isn't Argento, it's um, oh, Mario Bava. Yes, yeah, um, Black um, Sunday. Black Sunday, yes. No, Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath, sorry, yes. Yes. Um, so I particularly like that. And other than that, I had no interest in Italian horror. But I did watch the Mark Gatiss uh, History of Horror when he did the Italian, was it the Italian oh, yeah. special. Horror Hor Hor Europa, was it? Or That's it. Something like that, yeah. Um, yeah, and he showed so many clips from Suspiria. I was like, 
don't think mm. I'm going to enjoy it, but I'm going to buy it on Blu-ray because <laughs> it looks stunning. Oh, um, that is yeah. that is without a shadow of a doubt. And I'd imagine on your setup, it would look and sound fucking incredible. Yeah, it so, was. I'm actually looking forward to, despite the fact I don't, well, not, I don't want to spoil it. Um, but it's a film I enjoyed when I watched it, but I didn't think I'd go back and watch again. But I am <laughs> genuinely excited to go back and rewatch it again. Uh, yeah, mm. just because the print's so nice. So we'll see how it comes out. Anyway, Excellent. we've spoiled next week's episode enough already. So <laughs> uh, thanks ever so much for listening. Uh, don't forget to go and check out uh, Not For Everyone podcast. Um, they have very good recommendations. And uh, I'll see you. See you all next week for Suspiria. Good night.